Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Challenge the Culture. This episode is brought to you by mass confusion, fear, anger, pain, hurt, and depression. I'm joking. I'm totally joking. Um, but in all honesty, um, we're about to get into the real raw, um, the obvious, I should say, the obvious content. Um, I tried to hold off for as long as possible, but, um, you know, it's about time that uh, a voice is heard and, you know, luckily for you guys, it's mine. So um, this episode, I don't know what it's called, but it's, you know, just my thoughts, my take on how we can uh, really show love and how we can be there for each other in this this weird time. And um, certainly, uh, you know, I'm not going to make excuses or anything, but I do want to address things and how I think about them. And uh, yeah, I hope that brings enlightening, enlightenment, <laughs> and um, clarity, and uh, yeah, just a renewed sense of love and support for each other. And so um, my listeners that are in uh, a different country, I think there's like three um, different countries that are being represented. Um, I thank you guys for, for sticking in. That's crazy awesome. Um, yeah, and so I hope that this does something for you. I know that the support has also went nationwide. So um, if this has reached your country or your part of the world, um, just know that we see you and, and we, we appreciate your support. And it's it's crazy what's going on right now. It's both bad and good. And so, um, yeah, we're about to get into it. Thank you guys for listening. Let's go. Hey, real quick. Thank you guys so much for listening. I want to send a big, 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 big thank you to all my listeners out there. Um, And I also want to send a special shout out to the Anchor app. Um, It is because of this awesome app that I'm even able to bring you guys this content. I mean, honestly, they make starting such uh, a stress-free process. And I challenge you, no, I command you to go download the Anchor app to see how fun podcasting is. Um, I know my listeners and I know you guys are out there saying, why is it so fun? Well, check it out. Everything you guys need to start, uh, including creation tools, which allow for on-the-spot editing and a library of awesome music, is in the palm of your hands or your laptop or your computer. Um, podcasts are instantly distributed to uh, be heard everywhere, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. I mean, guys, listen, I checked the analytics and uh, my last podcast was being heard in the Ukraine, Sweden, Australia. It's absolutely insane. Um, and then it's also really easy to start making money with no minimum requirements of listeners. What that means for you is that you can start earning money instantly with no pressure. Um, are you guys excited yet? I, kn- I knew you would be. Uh, so do me a favor and go get started by downloading the Anchor app or by going to anchor.fm. Guys, you will not regret it. I promise. All right, guys, welcome back. Thank you so much for sticking around. Um, we are going to get into some heavy stuff. <laughs> um, I I was going to do um, the man series. No, that's not what it's called. The man series, uh, just a series about men. And then after the series, I was going to do a series about women. Um, given the state of our nation, um, I thought it befitting that I address this first um, for obvious reasons. Right. So we're going to do that later. It's going to be pretty exciting. I'm going to, you know, really try to get into the the meat and the marrow of, you know, who men are supposed to be, who we're called to be, what that looks like from a non-objective standpoint. And, uh, you know, and the same for women. Um, 
and not from what I think women should be, obviously. Um, I'm going to bring in an expert. She happens to be a woman. Uh, but anyways, that's for later. Um, for those of you who don't know, because I have some listeners in, in uh, different countries, I think Ireland, Germany, and um, India. Um, but uh, if, you, if you don't know, which I don't think there's anybody out there that doesn't right now, but if you don't know right now, what I'm going to address, uh, what I'm going to address is just the state of our nation. And I'm going to try to help connect people who may be divided still. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, eyes will be opened. But um, so if you don't know right now, uh, the state is at a huge divide as it is almost always uh, because um, just a few weeks ago, um, a man was murdered by a police officer senselessly um, for no reason. Um, he was allegedly trying to pay with like a counterfeit bill or something, something related to counterfeit money. Um, but like a single bill, like I saw, I, heard, I read it was a $20 bill, right? And allegedly counterfeit, but they never figured out what it was because they killed him. So we have multiple uh, perspectives through footage um, of, you know, multiple police officers kneeling on this man's body, you know, so it was on his like ankle and like his thigh and back and, uh, and then on his neck. And um, we're at a divide right now as a nation because of, you know, this uproar of how are we going to let them continuously get away with killing us with no consequence, right? So, um, the you know, the police officer was kneeling on his neck. Uh, the man's name is George Floyd, and um, he was screaming out for help, you know, please, I can't breathe, I'm in pain, and um, it's constantly saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And um, there was another guy who was actually interviewed, but he was telling the police officer, like, I've seen, you know, he was, he was a fighter and he was like, I've seen this before. Like I seen, you know, like these chokes that people get put in and you're on a part of his neck, like it's going to kill him. And he said, the police officer just looked at him like, oh, well, put his hand in his pocket. And so all the pictures that you see, um, you see a police officer kneeling on this guy's neck with his hand in his pocket was just this, this, I don't care look on his face. Um, George Floyd was being hunted. Right. So the, the divide is caused by the uproar that has happened as a response to um, us realizing we're not valued. Right. Like the black life is so undervalued. And so here, let me set something straight really quick, because Black Lives Matter was started once we realized as a nation um, collectively, we realized, man, like the world at large does not care about us like it really doesn't. You know, we started Black Lives Matter. And what was the response to that? all lives matter, right? So if you haven't heard yet, let me explain why we are chanting black lives matter. It's not because we think our lives matter more than yours. It's not because we think that we just need attention right now and, you know, forget everything else. It's because we aren't convinced with all that's happening in the world that has been happening in the world that we continuously see day after day after day, all of these isolated incidents that we experience, you know, on our own. And then as a nation, when we see things happen like this George Floyd murder, um, we're saying Black Lives Matter because it's a chant to be heard and to be valued and equally viewed as the rest of the world is, right? And right now we're just, we're not convinced that, that we are viewed that way. Um, I mean, take a look at anything. Look at the response uh, that the president gave us uh, calling, you know, the protesters today 
or it, I don't think it was today. It was maybe a couple of days ago, but you know, him calling us thugs and telling, you know, the military that, you know, they have Trump's full backing, you know, to, to go into the streets and unleash dogs and other weapons on us. But, um, you have, um, you know, KKK rallies and the police are out there seemingly, um, protecting, and this is just my perspective. I'm not saying this is what it is, um, but seemingly protecting these people. And, um, you know, you have riots after sports games, you know, there's the Eagles, um, I think Philly, maybe, um, Super Bowl, And after, you know, I can't remember what the team was that won, um, you know, they took to go downtown and started flipping over cars and climbing on street lights and burning things. And, and the media painted them not as thugs, but as, you know, young kids who, you know, are just having a little bit too much fun and, you know, who this is the ugly side of having fun. And, you know, they don't get painted as, as dangerous. They don't get called rioters or looters. They don't get the threat of, you know, the military to come in and, you know, jack them up and dogs and weapons, you know, at them. They don't get gas grenades and all that stuff. We do as black people, we do um, because the value of our life is almost non-existent. And I had a really hard time realizing that today because I always tried to push it off. Um, and this is kind of a problem with me, but I, I try to ignore it as much as possible because it doesn't daily affect me like it does other people, you know? Um, while I have been on the, the bunt end of a lot of racism, um, it's still just, you know, day to day, it doesn't really hit me that hard. And so as much as possible, I try to numb myself. Um, but today I think I reached this point where I'm like, I can't do that anymore. And I'm actually hating myself for doing it for so long, but, uh, like I, I can't numb myself to the reality anymore because it's at my front door now, you know, I'm having conversations with people that I prayed with and prayed for and, and had deep heartfelt conversations with trying to convince them why we matter, why we should be loved and supported and, and them saying, yeah, you know, uh, but the way that things are happening right now just aren't right. Right. And so like, we can't address your pain until we address the how, you know, your method, your methodology isn't right. Therefore I can't acknowledge your hurt and your pain and all that's going on in the world. And, and that's the narrative of so many people. And so, um, because I'd said earlier, I don't have the patience and the strength to help them understand you get deleted, right? You got to stay away from me because right now you're not, you're not ex expressing that you want to love and support. Right. And so that's what I'm going to be discussing today. Um, but first I want to get in front of the narrative that the the people who have dissenting opinions um, are saying, right? So the narrative out there, the ones that are causing the division are the ones that are saying, you know, the way that you're protesting is wrong and, you know, rioting, looting, all that stuff, it's bad and shouldn't be happening. And, you know, it, listen, no one is saying, yes, rioting and looting is okay, right? That's never been the response that the black community has had. I don't know of a person here um, or in this world that has said, yes, it is okay, right? That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, yeah, writing and looting is bad. You are also focused on the wrong thing, right? So here's what I mean, right? I feel like you can be in support of, of peaceful protest and you can be in support of, you know, Black Lives Mattering and the pain and the hurt and the fear that we feel daily, right? Both things can happen, um, but both things, if that's what your focus is, both things should happen simultaneously. Right. But what I've been seeing a lot of is one versus the other. Um, and so 
yeah, absolutely. The rioting and the looting that's happening is bad, right? Like that should not be happening. At the same time, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. has said that writing is the language of the unheard, right? So let me get in front of that a little bit because people tend to take that out of context. And, um, you know, certainly he's not, he wasn't saying that to justify writing and looting, but he was trying to put, um, he was, how am I trying to say this? He was trying to uh, give the fact that that's happening. Um, he was trying to define it and make it make more sense as to why it's happening. Right. Because I think that a lot of people out there, mostly white people, are assuming that it's happening simply because we're angry. Right. And so what I've been seeing a lot of is, <clears throat> you know, black people, again, being damned because, you know, they see they see that, you know, writing and looting and damage and vandalism, all those things are happening. It must be black people. Right. That's the assumption. And but what what they're not paying attention to is one. And you're not going to like this statement, but at large, it's not black people. Is it black people doing it? Yes. Are there black people in you know different places doing it? Absolutely. There are. Right. And shame on them. However, at large, it's not. And so I and I took some time to research this. I didn't want to. I was going to say it just out of anger, but I actually took the time to research and look stuff up. And I'd encourage you to do the same thing. Um, but I and I actually screen recorded one video in particular. Um, but there's so many interviews that exist there's so many posts that were made from people who are afraid to show their face um there's so many sound bites that are made you know of people explaining uh there are people down here that are causing damage that are doing things that aren't black right like um and the screen the the screen recording clip that i took was of two black ladies stopping two women dressed in all black head to toe faces covered um concealing their voices um, you know, tagging a Starbucks or something saying Black Lives Matter and the black ladies approach them and say, we're not asking you to do this. Please stop. Um, they're not going to, you know, assume that it wasn't us. They're going to assume that it was us. They're going to blame us for this. You know, that's what they were saying. And those girls, they finished tagging the building and then they ran away real quick. Right. Got behind another white guy and they all like peaced out. Um, the thing that's hurting us is that there's a lot of people out there still trying to destroy what initially started as a peaceful protest. All we wanted was change. We wanted to be heard. We wanted justice. Um, we wanted to feel equal, you know, and and that's what this is all about, right? Put us in the same position that you have the rest of the world at. Um, and, and that's not the case, right? And so um, we're being shown just how little we care. And today I reached a point where I'm like, man, this, this hurts more than I thought possible, you know, and, um, so anyways, I just wanted to get in front of that, you know, that there's a lot of people out there saying that the way that, you know, rioting and looting and vandalism and uh, destruction, that stuff is bad. Yes, it's bad, but you should also look a lot closer than where you have been because it's not just us doing it, you know, and the second part of that thought is then that shouldn't overshadow what we're still doing. And here's why I had to delete a lot of my so-called friends because they were letting the rioting and looting that were happen stop them from seeing our pain and our hurt and our fear and you know of our fear of a better future our fear of of ever being valued right uh my sister for instance fear of having two black sons you know um my life now as a black man is not guaranteed even more so than that of a white man you know there's there's just no there's no telling right like at any point you know if i'm involved in anything 
um, and somebody says, you know, I'm going to call the police or so let's put it this way, because this actually just happened. I saw this video, um, not a video. Sorry, it was a post that was made. Um, it was shared all over Facebook. But um, this man was ID'd, right? you fit a description and that's been happening for decades and decades of you know black men fitting descriptions and so this black man was pulled uh stopped he was actually walking um from the school where he taught at to go get lunch or something and um you know one cop pulled him over then another one and you know cops had hands on their guns and you know we just need to check you out and um they said that uh someone said that he was in a neighborhood you know like looking at houses or something or, or actually broke into a house um and so uh you know they they see him on the street and they say hey you're you know you fit this description and the man said you know well, what what was the description like well you know puffy coat red knit hat um and some other stuff and he was like well i sir with all due respect i doubt it he was like i bought this hat specifically from a lady who only makes these you know made to order you know so it was like i doubt that the person has seen this hat and so the police basically said well we need to take you um over you know into the back of our car we want to put you in cuffs and we're going to have this lady or we're going to take you to the lady so that she can id you it was an older lady and he said that um he instantly felt more fear um as i would have too because at, at that point my livelihood is um up to this white person who's never met me, who's never seen me, but all she needs to do is say that's him and that's a rap for him, right? Like there's no telling what they would have done. They could have escalated it more, like who knows, right? That's what cops do. Um, not all cops, but you know, that's just what cops do. Um, and so um, he was saying just how he felt fear and all that. And, and I really started to ruminate about that. I thought about it so much and um, I'm like, man, that's me. Every single time I see a police officer my countenance changes, I get tight, I clench up, and, I'm, and I ask myself, I'm like, why am I getting this way? Like, I'm not doing anything wrong, right? Like, I don't, you know, I have a weapon in my car, but that, that gun's legal, right? Like, I have a license, and I'm, I'm able to carry it, and so, um, but still, I just get, I just get this irrational, anxious nervousness, and uh, every single time, every single time, and, and if they get behind me, I get even more scared because I'm like, man, this person wants to pull me over now. And, you know, there's no telling how this is going to go. So I'm always, you know, hands are on top of the wheel. Like I pretend like I'm having a phone conversation or just something to diffuse the, you know, whatever's going on. And um, luckily, you know, I've never uh, I have stories where, uh, you know, scarier things did happen, but that's not the point, um, you know, so. Uh, just dealing with that on a day-to-day -day basis like man that really shakes you to your core and i'm starting to realize that like that's my life for the rest of my life you know i personally will never trust a police officer and it's not because you know all cops are bad and blah 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 like that's not why i'm saying that it's just that i have to be so careful because i don't know when i'm going to get that cop that truly just wants to shoot you know and or wants me dead like i who knows right like there's there have been philando castile probably could have said you know well there's no reason to be afraid right like all i have to do is tell him that i have a gun and you know and show him the license i have to keep my hands in the air where he can see him when he asks me to get it i will get it when he asks me to move i will move right like prior to that happening he probably could have said yeah like all you got to do is do what they say Philando Castile did what they said to a T and still got shot in front of his wife and baby, right? And so um, when I think about all these situations 
where, you know, our lives are, you know, basically amounted to nothing. Um, I feel more fear because I'm like, I am one, I'm one, um, traffic stop away from having my life taken, you know, at any time I could be, that could be the case. Um, other people don't have to feel that way, right? Like you don't have to feel that fear, um, and everything that entails it. Right. And so I just want to, um, I'm hoping that by explaining that this in the way that I am, um, it helps you understand the passion that's being expressed in the communities. Um, so a lot of people are out there protesting. A lot of people are, are trying to use their voice and their platforms to bring awareness and, you know, to, to lobby our leaders to, you know, make some sort of changes. And right now we're just not seeing it, you know, we, still we're not seeing any amount of change. And, uh, you know, and so that, that creates another level of awareness where we're like, oh, that is exactly what's going on. You know, that's exactly what's going on. We're not valued and, and that shows it, you know, at this time, what we need is a strong leader. And who do we have to look to? Our humble president, right? And so who just called us thugs uh, and said that he was going to allow the military to attack us and get animals and weapons out to, to stop us. And that's how we're viewed, right? So when we look to the highest position in office, there's no love there. You know, um, we look to the media, there's no love there. You know, we look to our friends and family and we're seeing little by little, there's no love there either. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, well, where can I turn to, you know, for me, most of my circle is, is white, you know, and, and that was also, a that was also something that was hard to swallow this morning is that, man, I'm really surrounded by white people. And, and the, the, the scary thing is that what if one of them feels the same way some of these other people do, you know, what happens then, you know, do I just continue cutting that circle? Um, you know, like how close are these, you know, ignorant thoughts to me? Like how close are they? Like, I, you know, and so that just, that scares me so much. And one guy that I considered like a, almost a brother to me, I had to delete him too, because he was more focused on, on arguing the how the methodology versus just simply showing support person was a pastor. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that question just kept ringing in my head. Well, who can, who can I turn to? Like, who can I trust? Who can I rely on? If not the people that I thought that I was closest to. So that was really polarizing. These times are really polarizing. They're really revealing a lot of people's hearts, you know? And so, so here's the, I'm going to get around to the end of it because it's getting kind of late, but here's where this is going. Um, love and support are shown through very specific ways in these times. The reason why I think that people misunder, uh, misunderstand, no, people underestimate love and, um, they, they get love wrong is because they don't truly understand what love looks like. You know, we can look at the Bible that has verses scattered about that says what love looks like. We can take, you know, examples of people's relationships. We can read it out of a book or a poem or a quote from a leader or some philosophy philosophical person, I don't philosopher, Jesus, <laughs> um, you know, that we look up to, you know, a researcher or whatever, like we can look at love through the definitions of a, of a bunch of different people. But I think that what it looks like in a nutshell is your ability to step outside of yourself, to show that love and support to someone in their toughest times. Right. So I'm considering the person that feels like I need to tell the world why these protests are so bad, right? That person can show love by simply saying, you know what, 
even though I'm justifying my thoughts, you know, my thought process and everything that I think about what's going on, even though in my mind, I think I'm justified. All of that needs to take a back seat because I see that my brother's over there hurting. You know, I see my sister's over there in pain and because I'm a human, I'm going to go love them and show them that support. I'm going to listen to their story. I'm going to ask them what they're feeling. I'm going to ask them how I can support them. I'm going to ask, seek to understand what they're going through. I'm going to seek to, you know, how can I, how can I show support? How can I do something to help enact change? Right. Instead of, I need to just get my voice out. Right. Because here's the truth. White people have been heard for so long. They've been heard every time something happens, right? There is no shortage of white voices. There isn't. There's never been a shortage of a white perspective. There's never been a shortage of the white, uh, quote, unquote, the white point of view. Um, but somehow every time, you know, our voices as black people raises up, their voices have to raise up even more. And so the question becomes, when will people just listen and not white people, just people in general, when will you guys just listen? You know, that's how things change. People listening with humility and grace, with a, with a heart to understand, uh, that's how change happens. And I feel like that. So let's, let's take it back a little bit. Let's look at the greatest example of love that was ever shown in, in the history of this world being formed, right? The greatest example of love that we have was God, the father sending his son to die for us. Right? So when we talk about love, people can say, I love you. And you know, I, you know, well, I've hung out with you and we've laughed together and we've had jokes and, you know, we've, we've had good times and, you know, well, yeah, of course it's, it's easy to feel love in those moments. Um, of, of joy and peace and unity when things are together, right? I don't think that's when love is at its strongest. I think that love is at its strongest when it's breaking through a lot of ugly stuff, right? So um, God sent his son to die for us and that while we were still sinners, you know, he died for us while we were sinners, not for the sins that we have committed, but the sins that we will commit in the future as well, right? The Bible says that the death he died, um, uh, I'm not going to try to quote that because I forgot he died yesterday, today and forever. I, or the sin that he's covering, he covered yesterday, today and forever, but it's, excuse me, I'm paraphrasing. Um, but, uh, the, the beauty and that sacrifice wasn't simply that Jesus just died for us. It's the conditions in which he died. Right. I looked at the beginning from the end and I saw all of the ugly that the world is capable of and I still died to free them from that, right? Like my blood had to be spilled um, because in those days, like blood is what like cleansed and um, that's what, you know, what was renewed. That's why they were always offering blood sacrifices and, um, and they offered up burnt sacrifices too, but the true blood sacrifice is what truly renewed and cleansed and reset um, culturally. And so Jesus, gave of his life to make sure that we could be free from all the sin and the hurt and the pain and the guilt and the shame and the, the bad lives that we were destined to have by saying, listen, I'm going to give myself so that you can have a better way. That is what true love looks like, right? That was a selfless act. Now, when we put those into modern day times, how can we love in a way that is selfless? Right. I think of I think of selflessness when I think about love, not a love that's easy to give, but 
a love that steps outside of itself and says, I'm going to deny my flesh. I'm going to deny my, my need to speak. I'm going to deny my need to try to, to throw logic. Um, and I'm going to simply just hear and support and be with people. It's called a healing presence, right? I don't need to say anything. I can just be around you and listen and let you know that this is a safe space for you to, you know, express something when you need to, right? Like that's what love is. That's when love is at its strongest. And, you know, I just want to, huh, I'm hoping that that will start to show up a lot more because I have seen it and it's, it's so uncomfortable. And that's how I know that love isn't being shown that way. Because when I see it, I feel uncomfort, discomfort, sorry. Um, you know, I see a lot of people throwing themselves in the fire, so to speak, um, getting berated by their own friends, you know, and family, um, because they're sticking up for black people in a time where black people desperately need that support. And, um, you know, I love you that are, those of you that are doing it, that's huge. You know, it's very huge. Um, but again, that's, that's authentic love. And, um, just one more thing. Um, here's why, here's why those, uh, the, the logic needs to stop. Right. I told a, a person <laughs> that, I, that I was having a conversation with. Oh, and you know, and I was using my relationship with him to reason with him, um, and it ended up not working. So he got deleted. But, um, I said, Hey man, like, listen, you're a smart dude. You know, you're, you're charismatic. You're well-read. Honestly, you're one of the smartest dudes I've ever known. Um, you know, to be a young guy. And I didn't tell him the young part cause I didn't want him to feel like there was a caveat to what I was saying. Um, but you know, he's a little bit younger and, you know, even though you're still at that young part in your life, like you're so very well read and passionate about, you know, social justice and stuff like that. But I was like, listen, all of that logic and all of those things won't work if you're trying to throw them at pain, hurt and guilt and all that stuff. Um, that that's not what changes things, right? Like, and I said this before, um, but all of the logic in the world will not, will not resolve anything. Right. So if you truly want change to happen, you have to be willing to listen, not to correct, not to respond, just to listen, right? Like that's, that's the beginning of change. Um, and right now we're not seeing that in the world, but if you truly want to make a difference, if you truly want to, uh, to support people, you don't have to, you know, call any offices and, you know, like it, you just have to be willing to listen to people. You know, if you know someone in your, in your corner that is black and that, you know, might have a story to tell, you know, just support that person, you know, be there, just offer to be there for them. Um, you know, if you're a, a like a go getter or a doer, um, you know, maybe look towards calling, signing petitions, starting petitions, you know, attending, uh, you know, state meetings or whatever, you know, those are how things start to change, but we need the support of the, of the, the majority. Right. And that's how the civil rights era like became successful. It wasn't because black people were finally valued. It's because we got the support of our white brothers and sisters and, you know, and their voices joined in with ours, created that change, right? Because we had people that were in the places that we needed them to be, um, because we ourselves weren't occupying those places. Um, and so I'm going to get more into that point later because that goes a lot further, you know, talking about like feminism and, you know, um, uh, homosexual rights and, you know, all those things like support and change happens the same way, right? Like the minority needs help from the majority to partner those voices together. That's how change happens, right? That's why unity is so huge. Unity is the most important thing in our world because that's what bridges gaps and that's what makes positive change. And, um, so anyways, 
I'm going to end there because uh, I don't want to talk your ears off because I can go on this forever. Um, but I just wanted to, uh, you know, let you guys know what's going on, let you know where I'm at. Um, I'm recovering, but today was a very, very um, just I'm going to be honest. Today was a bad day for me, you know, just realizing how I actually feel about what's going on, realizing um, the true hearts and intentions of people. Um, you know, the reality of where I'm at in this world, you know, I just think about it and I'm like, when will this ever get better? And I can't see the end of it. You know, I truly can't. And I'm generally a pretty optimistic guy, but I'm also a realist. And I realize that that sort of change won't happen until people want it to, you know, and, and if you don't, then it just won't happen. And so, um, you know, for those of you that can find comfort in taking a break from social media and returning to your peace, you know, man, that you know, power to you, you know, hug your family and all that, because I'm going to have to go to sleep tonight and I'm going to have to go to work tomorrow on a job that I'm not totally a fan of and pretend like none of this has ever happened. Right. Like I don't get the opportunity to turn it off. You know, I don't get the opportunity to take a break and, you know, just distance myself and, you know, just kind of take a breath. Like I can do those things, but my reality will still be what it is when that break is over, you know? Um, and so for those of you that can walk away and truly, you know, just be done with this all, you know, that's cool, but understand the privilege that you have in doing that. And I hope that you'd realize that your voice matters just as much, if not more than mine does, you know, and, and I would urge you, um, or not urge, I would just encourage you to think about what you can offer. You know, a lot of people, trap themselves by saying, you know, like I did, you know, what can I do? You know, I don't have anything that I can do. What, what voice do I have? You know, and if I would have continuously listened to those thoughts, I wouldn't be making this podcast right now. You know, um, it's because of people who are supporting me and, and feeding into or um, pouring into me, um, that I'm actually still making episodes right now, you know? And, um, so I would encourage you to do the same thing, you know, it, you might not think that you have a voice. You might might not think that you have anything to offer, but the fact that you're curious right now is proof that you can help do something, you know, far be it for me to tell you what to do. I'm not telling you that you need to. I'm just saying that if there's any part of you that wants to help support and show love and, and truly be a part of, you know, changing things for the better, you know, I would Think about what your strengths are. You know, are you good at talking? Are you good at drawing? Are you good at singing? Are you good at creating something? Use that in any platform that you can and, you know, just start doing it, you know? And if you can't do anything like that, if you can't think of anything, be willing to listen to someone, you know, have tough conversations, um, disagreements even maybe, but still keep your mind open to, you know, being wrong. And I think uh, also that's what people don't do is they go into disagreements, not wanting to have an open mind, not thinking, uh, not being open to the fact that I might be wrong. Right. Um, so anyways, I said I'd be done and I'm, and I'm done. I love you guys. Um, again, like I said, next week, I'm going to be starting the, uh, what is a man series. It's probably going to have a different title, but I'm just going to be looking into, you know, what a man looks like in different scenarios and different life situations. And, um, you know, what the definition of a man actually is. And, and this is going to be helpful for me, for me too. Cause I like, I need to know, like, I think we need to know what men look like. And, and if we can define that, and if we can come against what the culture has said that men are, uh, we can start to have a healthier self-identity. We can start to have better mental health and, um, you know, we can be better in relationships and, you know, yeah. Anyways. 
Thank you guys for listening. Um, I hope that this creates positive conversations, um, you know, in your communities and your families, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Till next time, guys. Peace out.